Hello and welcome to the Aftershock Central Podcast with Travis and Martin. Travis, let me tell you, we, hey. we are jumping right into this business this week. Yes. Because you and I have already been talking about this book, so now we're just going to jump right into it. We've been talking about it for like 10 minutes at least. At least 10 minutes. So welcome to the show. Uh, we are going to be discussing two books tonight. We're talking about Lonely Receiver number one and Disaster Inc. number three. All right. Guess what we're doing first? Dis- uh, Lonely Receiver number one. Why? Let me tell you why. I love Zach Thompson. I do. Zach, you're my buddy. I love you. I haven't talked to you in a while, but that's okay. I still love you. We're still friends. Uh, I love I love everything he does. I love the stuff when he does it with Lonnie as well. Uh, I was very excited for this book. I'm still very excited for this book. I'm going to – spoiler – I'm going to rate this very highly. Uh, written by Zach Thompson. We have art by Jen Hickman. I love Jen Hickman. Yeah, dude. Jen Hickman is the shiznit. Uh, it's good to see her back. Yes, for sure. And uh, and letters by Simon Bolin with a cover by Jen Hickman. Awesome cover, by the way. Yeah. It's, uh, it reminds me of like Tales from the Crypt, like 50s horror comics, you know? Sure. Uh, you know, Tales from the Crypt and Creepshow and – you know, creepy and eerie and all those books love that stuff uh and i mean boy. it's kind of getting into like the the stuff with the garden right yeah yeah for sure for sure and and it's cool that like that's kind of what it is because like zach loves this like body horror stuff right um so so i'm not surprised like this is the direction the book is going but uh but we're we're gonna try to work through this book together travis Thank you. Uh, I hope I hope the audience is not coming to this podcast in the hopes of answers, because as of this moment, we do not have any. Oh, it's heated. <laughs> it's, it, yes, it's very heated. Uh, here, here's here's what happened. I'm gonna paraphrase our, our pre-show conversation uh, because we both read the book. Obviously, you you thought one thing about the book. I thought a different thing about the book, and then I went back and looked at it, and now sitting in front of my computer, I pulled up the book and realized that the first couple of pages that I read, uh, because I, I, was, I was a dummy, I don't usually do this, but I was a dummy, and I read this, the copy of the book on my phone, and the first few pages I thought were masterful, because <laughs> page one was a, a a blank white page with just word balloons and not all the word balloons were filled in. Page two was completely blank. Page three was a black background with multicolored word balloons. Page four had a giant like upside down Nike swoosh on it. Like that was the panel. And I was like, this is freaking awesome. Like I love how we're setting the ambiance here <laughs> in this way. And then I go to read this on my computer, and it turns out, Travis, there are pictures and panels in all of these pages. It is not just word balloons. I, I thought I thought that that Zach was doing a. Uh, I hate. Are you reading X Men right now? Uh, I'm not. Sorry. Okay. So Hickman loves these white pages, and a lot of people hate these white pages. <laughs> Because, like, sometimes they're at the beginning of the book, sometimes they're at the end, but a lot of times they're, like, in the middle of the story. And they're, like, prose pieces. Um, 
or like diary entries, like like journal entries. And sometimes like they have words missing, like they've been redacted on purpose. And and I thought that's what Zach was doing here. Because I love that kind of stuff. I love playing with the format like that. As it turns out, it's not what happened. As it turns out, my phone hates reading comics. That's that's what happened. So anyways, as a result of all this, you and I came to different conclusions as to what this book is about. Uh, just, well, I just the first scene. Well, you know. ba- based on the way that each of us re- – man, this would be like a freaking experiment, right? Uh, hmm, hmm. All right, I'm going to give somebody an idea. This could be an experiment between like print and digital comics. Where like a print comic has a panel done a certain way and the digital is like a different panel, that would be amazing. And like you have to read both together to get the full meaning. Um again, this is technical difficulties, so maybe we're making too big a deal out of it. But because we read the first three pages very differently, even though the words were the same, uh we assumed different things about what the story was about. Uh I think after talking about this pre-show a little bit, we can maybe agree at least that there is a woman who has a relationship with an android. I still don't think that's what it is, by the way, but we'll go with that. A relationship with an android, and something happens over time where their relationship changes, and the the AI, the android kind of evolves her feelings differently than the human and the human can't take that very well. Can we at least agree on that? Well, no, my, (laughs) I mean, yes and no. Like I was a little unclear what is up with, you know, the, whatever we're calling it, the life partner. Uh, like, my my take is that it's some kind of projection, like a hard light projection or something that's coming from the phone device. Uh-huh. That looks like a hairy ball sack. <laughs> yes. Gross. <laughs> hey, um, dude, Zach loves body horror, so I, I expect that kind of thing. Oh, okay. It's like the controller in existence. Y- exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, gross. Okay, but like... <laughs> Okay, so that that's my take though, just because they're when when they're kind of mixing it up towards the end of the issue uh-huh. and they're and they're fighting or they're like like wrestling kind of like it seems like the the whatever we're calling it life partner just kind of vanishes mm. like in the midst of like grappling and so my thought was like oh it's not really per se a physical presence it's just something that's being projected there and can go away. Yes. Um, but obviously they, they play a little bit in this issue with this idea of like, you know, like you're a real girl, you know, I, I'm gender swapping. It, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I'm, I got like quote unquote real for you. Like, so I don't know what the ramifications are with that, but like, that's kind of, where I come off on like what is this thing? So let me let me just say if you if you thought the little hairy ball sack thing was gross, uh, then I recommend you go and read "Come Into Me," also by Zach. I think that's uh, co-written with with Lonnie as well. 
Um, who put that out? Vault, maybe? Uh, I can't remember. Anyways, uh, there's many a Harry Balsack in that comic. Um, and it, they just, they like to play with this imagery. And, and, you know, the, the panel where they're like having sex floating through this like virtual realm, right? The green, uh, reminded me a lot of, of some of the way that the, the characters interact in this like metaphysical sense in Come Into Me. Um, so I, I do highly recommend Come Into Me. It's, uh, it's not an easy read. And, and based on this first issue of, of Lonely Receiver, I, I don't expect this series to be an easy read either. And, and I like that because, you know, I, sometimes I get tired of reading a comic in three minutes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so I like the fact that this is a book that takes me you know, 15, 20 minutes to read because, well, for one, I have to reread pages that I thought were blank. <laughs> But uh, but but it makes you think, and like every panel means something in terms of the story, right? Like there was nothing really out of place uh, in terms of the visuals that did not, in some way or another, relate to what's going on between these two characters, uh, mm-hmm. which we kind of can't really agree on. Uh, did you read the back matter by any chance? I did, yes. Okay, so I think if you read the back matter, it gives you a little more information as to what could possibly be happening in the story itself. And you know, before I continue, I want to say that doesn't mean that like this is bad because like I, I already spoiled, I'm gonna rate this very highly. Um but it's not a book that you can just sit and just be like, hey, cool. Uh you know. Another another fun comic. Uh this is not a fun comic. This is a a thinking person's comic. And uh and as a result I don't know how popular it'll be because most people hate to think. But um, in in the back matter, you get this kind of backstory about the the tech that's involved with this AI that we see in the book. Um, now, I think even that is maybe not enough to clarify what's what's happening. Um, but I mean, it seems like fairly near future, right? Like, yes, they're building this like android body in front of you. Um, but, uh, but like no, no other tech seems like super fancy, right? I mean, maybe the phone's a little fancy looking, but, uh, there's like this phone system that basically allows people to interact differently with their devices and, and have a, a very personal relationship with their devices. And, and so as a result, this AI is created and, and of course the next logical step is to create a a life partner program uh, for people who are lonely uh, that they can use this AI to feel like they're in a relationship. Uh, Which, of course, I mean, that's not a new idea, right? We've seen that a lot of times. And, I mean, the the movie Her is basically this. You beat me to it, bastard. Uh, Except except the characters here are not as good-looking as Scarlett Johansson. You never see her, though. Who, Scarlet? Of course you do. In the movie? Yeah. And her? What? Oh, maybe I just had this picture of my mind every time she talks. Yeah, you <laughs> might you might be right, actually. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm pretty sure that she's just the voice. Is there not a scene at the end before... Spoilers for... Uh, how old is that movie? Ten-year-old movie? Uh, before she goes into 
like the ether with the other AIs to have like an AI orgy. I thought I thought like we saw her. Maybe not. Maybe I. It's been a minute. So. Yeah, it's been quite a while. But but that's basically what it is, right? It's it's a way to explore our relationship with technology, which is something that sci-fi always does. Uh, but this being Zach, it, we're getting a lot of horror elements thrown in here as well, and, mm-hmm. and that's that's why I love Zach because those are my two favorite genres, and he mixes them in in a very creepy way. Um, in some ways, it's also kind of like a uh, like a Black Mirror episode. I don't know if you watch Black Mirror. I'm not up to date, but I've I've seen some Black Mirror. You've yeah. seen some Black Mirror at least, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that that's the central theme of that show too, right? Like, how do we uh, deal with technology and the repercussions and what relationship do we have and can we have and how can we make it better? How could it be worse? So, um, so those are the central themes. It's, this book is very hard to talk about though, Travis, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of like fanciful imagery, right? Like I described this like floating sex in, in space, in, a, in in the matrix in the, in a simulated space uh, but like you can't really describe it much more than that but it goes mm-hmm. on for i mean what is it like a page or two at two least, pages right? two pages yeah where where you get a, a very descriptive visual representation of very many sexual acts yeah and somebody's watching you and somebody's watching you. <laughs> correct correct um, now this this the tech is new though, right? Because she, as she's narrating through this sex act, she talks about like how she and this AI were the first to discover the green. Huh, I forgot that. Yeah. So so this is like very new technology, kind of stemming from this existing AI, right? It'd be like an an Alexa or a Siri or whatever on your phone. Um, Except they they find a way to like create a physical body for it, but but I don't think like there's anything to the body, right? I th- I think it's still tied to your phone, and and maybe that's part of the confusion because you were talking a little bit about how you thought maybe it's just an app, and like none of this stuff is actually happening. Well, there's like a scene where you know they're like they're kind of whatever in bed, and and it's like oh you're wet, and and it's like. Oh yeah, you know, like I made myself real for you. Yeah, you know? yeah. So they're trying to do something with that, but I don't know what is, you know, like the full implications because she's still got the like whatever projections like over her nipples and like <laughs> her genitals. So like I, I'm confused what's what's going on there. And furthermore, but, to my point from earlier, she seems to kind of vanish into thin air. Right. That's not something that a real person could do, unless I'm misreading that, which is very possible. No, and, and that's why it's weird, because at the beginning of the issue, you do see this, like, floating mirror thing, like, create, like, 3D printing a body. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, which, my assumption was that, like, it was literally 3D printing the body. Mm-hmm. But... Weaving. Yes. But, you know, based on what you're thinking about the book, maybe that's not the case at all. Maybe that, like, it's just creating that to have, like, full awareness 
of like what this body is capable of so that the AI can like control it in a way that seems very human. Does that make sense? Because like if it was just like a doll, right? Like a sex doll, basically. Um, this person wouldn't form that attachment to it because it's just like a cold plastic thing. Mm-hmm. But by making it this flesh and blood thing with organs and, and blood flowing and heart beating and lungs and all that stuff, uh, it, it kind of like adds to the illusion of it being a, a real physical being. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, you know, I think it's interesting because, like, obviously, I don't know, I, it would seem to me that what we see of the main character my assumption would be that she cares more about the kind of emotional interpersonal stuff that she's trying to, to take from this life partner. And, you know, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to kind of pull any punches. This character seems incredibly codependent. For sure. Like basically she doesn't want a real partner. She just wants a thing that she can own and control, but also that supports her no matter what. And, you know, like only lives for her. You know, there can't like even if if, you know, it wasn't this, you know, her esque story of an AI that can't deal with limitations and being finite, even if it was just like she was a human and she had human f- platonic friends like mm. that probably could be a bridge too far for this character. You know, it's like you start out the the comic and there's kind of a discussion where she's like, I gave up my entire life for you, my family, my friends. Like I, I gave that all up and, and her mm. partner in that scene and we'll get into it, but She's like, I never asked you to do that, ever. You did that because you wanted to. Absolutely. You know? So, like, the main character is not a healthy person. I, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to offend, but there's something about, like, her Listen, possessiveness. I think it's okay to offend. I think we worry too much about not offending people, and that's why the world is garbage. I mean, anybody that can't have a life outside their partner like that is the definition of a very unhealthy relationship i think and it's you know it's kind of like why do you even want this you know it's like you don't you don't really how how rewarding is you know like something that really is just straightforward like if your alexa could be you know if you could program it to be like I love you, Martin, you know, like 10 times a day. And just like every time you say something, you're like, you're right. You know, (laughs) like, yeah, like maybe that would feel good for a little bit. But that's that's never going to make you grow as a person or, you know, like there's there is no you're having a relationship with a chat bot or something, you know, right. Well, I think I think there's two things going on here too, right? So on one level, you're right. It is kind of a commentary on relationships that way. And, and there are plenty of people that are codependent like this where like they always expect like things to be a certain way 
and like they just want their partner to be the same all the time. Uh, but I think also it's commentary on like the technology itself, right? Where the the AI android slash simulation slash hologram thing uh it's just like talking about people's phones addiction or you know computer addiction and and the the level of feeling and emotion that we dump into that when they're not like real objects right they're not human so they don't possess the qualities that humans possess and but but because we are human we kind of throw our own emotions and and outlooks and and sense of being into these fake objects into these imaginary objects to make them appear like they're human um and even just like talking to people right like getting on reddit for example and talking to other people on reddit like yes there is somebody on the other side of that um but like we all know most people when they go on like reddit they're not like themselves right they they play a character when they go on there um because like who cares right you're anonymous you say whatever the hell you want and uh and so i think there is some commentary with regards to that as well yeah no i that is a good point like yeah part of it certainly is i think playing with the idea of like people maybe are like falling in love with their phones you know like to, like at the to the exclusion of real people Yes. Yes. And and I don't think we know enough about this character to know like what situation in her life got her to a place where this is what she wants and needs, right? So before we started recording, you were talking a little bit about you thought that there was a, a previous relationship um where she was abandoned and that's why maybe she's so attached to this machine. Um I'm not quite sure about that yet, so I can't really comment on that. But, but you know, the, these two do have a ten-year relationship. I mean, they say that in the comic. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, there's there's some realness to that. The difference being that the AI learns that they're not really in a loving relationship. Like she still loves her, but because. I don't know, like, she, she's self-aware, right? She's an artificial intelligence. And so she realizes that this person's going to disappear one day because she's human and she'll die, whereas she's a computer and she'll live forever. And so she, she she's able to have, like, multiple of these relationships, very much like in her. Like, that's basically what happens in her, right? All the AIs band together and, like, just have a, re- a polyamorous relationship, uh, while also having relationships with humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. You know, if we, if we were telling this story, you know, 500 years ago, 1,000, 2,000 years ago, the AI, this would be like uh, you know, Zeus and some woman that he has sex with, right? Like Hercules' mom <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the story that's told because, you know, Zeus or whatever god you pick would view things in a very similar way. Yeah, I I mean I think how to, how to put this. Mm, I, I lost my train of thought, I'm sorry. Um you're talking about uh AI. Mm. Kind of it was kind of the the effect of the idea of 
like because we are limited finite creatures we can't like truly understand what it is to have like real love well i th- i think sorry that that's right yeah i i re- i think that you know we we can understand real love you know obviously even humans are capable of polyamory you know like evidence seems to suggest like it's it works for some people um and yeah when you get away from something that is human it's certainly understandable you know yeah it's like not only are they not you know mortal in the same way that we are but um you know computers can multitask Mm mm-hmm so, you know, a computer living at human speed all their life, you know, like it could be like shackles, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, devil's advocate, um, you know, it, it is interesting. There's a couple places in this issue where you see like the whatever her name is, uh, Ryan. Yep. Like, like you see her in a scene and she's got like multiple pupils. And I think that's supposed to register that she's like kind of interacting with other people at the same time. Yep. Um, so it's, so in a way it's kind of like, you know, maybe, maybe her, you know, whatever her name is has points, you know, that like, yeah, like you're not quite always there with me a hundred percent all of the time. You know, like, um, but I don't know, you know, much like with her, I think it's possible that, you know, people change. So, you know, this thing, you can't necessarily, you know, hold it in place for eternity just kind of because you own it and you think that it works for you, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that's true. Um I was just looking at that uh, that page you were talking about with the multiple irises. That, my friend, is actually a very important symbol. Oh, yeah? Yes. Uh, and that's not the first time. So uh, this is like two Vesica Pisces connected. Um, there's, a, there's a similar symbol. There's a tattoo on her finger when, uh, when the, a, the android, whatever we're calling it, the, the hologram android thing. Um, is built and and she hugs the thing. She's got a tattoo on her finger. Um, I, I can't remember what finger it was, but it's similar, a similar design to that, uh, to to the irises, the way the irises are done. Um, different meaning. So I'm I don't want to talk about it now because that's a little, I don't know, maybe not for this podcast. But uh, but if it comes up again, I, I will bring it up because it does seem like that wouldn't be something that's just put there for no reason. You know what I mean? Good call, dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm intrigued. Especially because there's like a very deep philosophical conversation uh, happening in their bedroom uh, about authority and the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, I'm inclined to think that there's there's a little bit more going on with that as well. And it's it's on her ring finger, too. The ring finger. Okay, you saw it? Okay, good. That's. I mean, that's probably not an accident, right? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm sure it's not. Okay, and let me just say, because I'll take that as a segue, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but just to say, we buried the lead big time, and uh, our initial 
disagreements or confusion was that I thought the first scene of this issue was the main character breaking up with a girlfriend or wife, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. second page, she's taking off a ring. Right. Um, And like, my thought was, okay, well, this is a relationship that's gone bad because she's this like, you know, codependent mess uh, and her partner couldn't deal with it. So she's taking the ring off. Um, and that's why she's like, well, I'm just gonna, you know, like, I don't need you. I can get an AI girlfriend, you know? Um, so like, I think that, you know, that was my read on it. I don't necessarily understand what's going on in the last panel of the first page when that character seems to be like drifting away, like her head is like dissolving or something. Uh, uh yes. yeah well she's looking at the window like maybe that's just uh you, you know like abstract representation of her leaving but it's a it's a little confusing yeah i'm i'm still unsure um i mean i think a- after having this conversation you you might be right that it is like a previous partner um and and whether um Katrin being super clingy is the reason she left or her leaving caused Katrin to become clingy i i don't know yet um but but i think you might be right that there something triggered this whole thing uh and it may be the second person with with the way that you know Zach likes to turn stories around i wouldn't be surprised if this is like a flash forward scene right um where it's like like this is the ai leaving katrin uh what was her name Ron, Ron, ronan rion rion yeah um so so we'll see uh but yeah the the these first the first pages is pretty interesting and again yeah, i mean I it's i don't think anything is out of place in this book so there's gonna be a reason why we see this first page here yeah i mean my point because i think we've talked you and i before about kind of the how you you know the inner workings of writing and creating a comic Mm -hmm. and part of that is just about clarity and so like that's why in a lot of situations when there's time jumps flashbacks flash forwards you kind of you you acknowledge it and you say this is when this is happening so to the extent that you don't do that there needs to be a reason for that it, you know, so, you know, like, I I think we have to reserve judgment, you know, if that's what is happening, hopefully it's in service of why introduce this thing that creates potential confusion, you know, except, to, you know, it's like, there has to be a payoff for the ambiguity, you know? Mm. Yes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the final page. Okay. Um... Mm-hmm. With the shadow. Who is the shadow? Is is the shadow her? Uh Katrin? Is the shadow another AI? Is it something else? You're asking me? I'm asking you, bro. <laughs> I mean, I my initial read, and I'm I'm backing off it slightly, like I thought that they implied that the shadow was weaved at, at a similar time to Ryan. Uh-huh. Rion, 
So like I like my initial read was like, what if they're connected somehow? Um, or, you know, what if this is somehow a byproduct of that and it's connected instead to the main character? Um, right. It does reference like there is a piece of you in Ryan and like that's how I can help you get her back or something. Right. Um, I, yeah. Like I, I don't have a lot of uh, stuff to point to because like the the dialogue there by design I think is confusing, you know? Yeah, like you've got those like hash marks and the kind of the syntax doesn't it's not like sentences, so you have to make some leaps in trying to interpret it. Correct. Uh yeah, I mean just judging on previous work, and I don't know if you how much you remember of her infernal descent, for example. Mm. Um but it's very obvious that, that Zach likes to do this like psychological mind bending thing and and of course the shadow is like one of those things right that's a, a carl jung thing oh yeah um 46 so and 2 baby you got it i <laughs> uh, gotta love the tool reference um so you know it could very well be that and uh, and i'd be down for that so we'll see i'm intrigued i can't believe you went for carl jung dude like i i'm I'm kicking myself. I should have done that. Uh, dude, Carl Jung is in my mind right now because I'm doing this like Gnostic thing on my other podcast right now. I'm doing a series on Gnosticism. And uh, and this morning I was reading The Seven Sermons of the Dead. Um, I don't know if you ever read it. It's freaking brilliant. Uh, Carl mm-hmm. Jung. So I, I have Carl Jung all over my mind right now. Nice. <laughs> yes. Mostly I just know uh, 46 and 2, so... Oh man, dude, you uh, yeah, you you need to grab uh the the red book. Did I? I tried to read Young once, and I I think I made it about a paragraph. <laughs> I want to like I want to say it was synchronicity. I think he wrote a book about synchronicity, and I was like, oh, it must be like this is what the police album is about. No, <laughs> I don't think so. So this is kind of off topic. Sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry, Zach, if you're wanting more feedback on your book. Um, Jung actually wrote a book on, a book on UFOs uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and how UFOs are like a, a physical manifestation of uh, psychological archetypes. Fascinating, dude. Boy, see, yeah, Jung was crazy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Young was out there for sure, buddy. You say crazy, I say genius. All right. Well, I said out there, so <laughs> I saved it a little bit. Yep. Yeah, it's weird. Nobody talks about Young's UFO book aside from like people that are really into Young. Uh, it's re- it's actually really good though. I, I I also recommend that. Yeah, I just can't read philosophy, dude. I mean, like I have I. I, I don't know if I can ever do it again. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not going to get into it. but It's it's not for everybody. Uh, all right, anything else on Lonely Receiver? I think we beat it to death, dude. Great. Give me a score, Travis. I, I mean, like, I, the, clearly there's a lot going on. Um, so I'll go 4.5 out of 5. Uh, very good. I'm proud of you. I thought you were going to go lower. 
but that it didn't matter because I'm rating this a five out of five. So it, it didn't matter. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Disaster Inc. Number three. Maybe this one will be a little easier to figure out what's happening. Maybe. Sounds good. I think so. Uh, written by Joe Harris. We have art by Sebastian Paris and letters by Carlos Mangual. Uh, all right, Travis, give me uh, give me a little bit on this one. What you got? There's uh, there's right. some cool revelations. Okay, well, as far as revelations, I I would I think the main one really is uh, that uh, Melody, the kind of like mystery last minute guest, turns out to be an Interpol agent. Yeah, which makes sense, right? Because she was super sketchy. Okay, but like I'm just you know like devil's advocate, right? Uh huh. Like, would an Interpol agent not travel with a passport and be like okay here's my passport you know like take it what you know like what do you gotta you know like is that okay just check out (laughs) right like they were already on a bus like i don't i don't think that they were gonna do some hardcore like background check on it when they were like basically already inside the restricted zone yeah you're right like they kind of lean on it, you know, about like that. What's her name? Uh, Abby like screwed up because she didn't get the, you know, credentials or whatever. She didn't get her ID when they were already on the trip. You know, right. they had already left, and it's like, okay, well, what would have happened if that happened? Been like, no, actually. I'm not fucking around and, and I need to get this from you. And then she was like, Oh, well, I guess my only ID is my Interpol badge. <laughs> I'm one of those really sophisticated, like, you know, undercover agents. Uh, you know, so it's like, okay, well, you're unmasked as a cop on a bus, you know, like already doing the stuff. So, like, what? They, you know, they've already been unmasked, discovered. Mm-hmm. Like, would they then just kill her? Right? You know? Like, they seem to be really concerned that, like, about what's going to happen with a dead Interpol agent. But, like, they were already fucked, right? Well, yes, they were already screwed. But, you know, now they have more problems because, you know, she's beheaded. Mm-hmm. And so like it's not like they could just say, oh, like, you know, we were on this trip and like she was attacked by wolves or something. Right. Or like she fell off the, 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 the cliff or something like she's beheaded. So obviously, like somebody had to do this. It's not one of those things that they can just chuck up to accident. So like if they, if she died, like they wouldn't necessarily have been screwed they're already screwed because they're breaking the law by being in this protected zone. Um, but the fact that an Interpol agent has lost her head uh, definitely puts them into trouble. Uh, my thing is, though, like, is she there on official business? Because, I mean, there's obviously something fishy going on, right? Um, you have this this whole setup at the beginning, these two guys working on uh, on the plant and... Like they're they're trying to like find something there. Mm-hmm. Well, they're 
there, you know, that part seems pretty recent, right? My my read of that scene is it's six weeks ago, so it's well after when this disaster happened. But right. the problem being that you know there are these three cores or whatever, and they should all be full of water, and there's like a drone monitoring stuff in all of them, but mm-hmm. in the third core, you know, all the water has disappeared and the drone's offline. Right. So because, I don't know what's... Well, it's because there's butterflies everywhere, Travis. Oh, yes, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, I mean, I want to know what the deal is with that, right? Because now we get, like, we saw the butterflies previously. I think in every issue so far, actually. Um, but now we see, like, maybe who's behind the butterflies. Uh, I don't know if you caught it on the reflection on one of the vehicles. There's, like, a little butterfly man. Oh, I thought that was a samurai. Oh, that's a samurai? See, I thought it was, like, a dude with, with, with antenna. I guess you're right. Maybe it is a samurai. Like, you know how some of those samurai helmets have a little, like, antenna-looking thing in the front? Or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. Like, well, So I just figured that that was... One of them nuclear samurai guys, and the butterflies are part of it, or yes. something. You know, I kind of like the butterfly man better. Yeah, it's like the Mothman. Let's go with that. <laughs> it's like the exactly. There you go. The Mothman appears. Uh, I you know I wouldn't be surprised if there's like some correlation to the Mothman story, because uh, the Mothman story has like similar like bad omen things around it. Sure. Right. It's like the you know the Mothman appears before the bridge collapse and like all this stuff. Um, and then like last year, people are seeing Mothman in Chicago, and now there's just like riots everywhere in Chicago, right? Uh, so maybe like the Mothman thing is like a harbinger of things to come, and and that's kind of what these samurai are as well. Um, but it still doesn't explain like why they're there. Like we got some history in the previous issue about this area and the importance of these samurai to the area. Um, but we haven't gotten a connection between the accident and the samurai. I'm just wondering if at this point the samurai and by extension the butterflies are kind of there basically for anybody that refuses to keep out, you know? Hmm. Like... You know, the scientists in the beginning are like inside the restricted area to to research butterflies. These guys uh, in the hazmat suits, like they're going into a thing that should have been sealed off. Uh, You know, the like these tourist people are venturing into a restricted area. So I just wonder if if it's as simple as kind of they're there to keep people away hmm. yes but the question is still why mm-hmm. right we still don't have the connection like is is the company that was running this place responsible for the samurai being there or is it something else and, and what i'm hinting at is like is there possibly some supernatural explanation for this area blowing up Ooh. right and and that's why the samurai are there in this particular reactor uh, is because whatever this thing is came out of the reactor. I mean, but the I mean, the meltdown was because of the tidal wave, right? Or or the earthquake? Sure, but 
So it's like, did the are you suggesting that the samurai caused the earthquake? Not the samurai. Who, whatever is the master of the samurai? Because the samurai, the the samurai always had a master, right? I mean, unless the master died and they became Ronin, but like samurai always had masters, Mm -hmm. and and they served their master unconditionally to death. Sure. So, so I'm assuming that there there must be some kind of master. Well, they, I mean, they talked about samurai in the back matter of the first issue and kind of that, like, there was a history with them in Fukushima, you know, like around the time of the last stand of the samurai. Um, So I I don't, you know, maybe it somehow ties into that, but I, I don't know specifically how. Yep. I don't either. I don't either. And uh, and maybe the samurai like aren't even there, right? If if you look at that whole sequence with um, with Melody right before she gets killed, she's talking to that's the bus driver, right? The yakuza guy. Yeah. Um, they're talking, and he's like, "I know you see it," and the samurai's right behind him. Mm-hmm. So like, is there a connection there with the yakuza? I mean, I because he's he's holding the sword, right? When she gets decapitated. Yeah. Well, it's it's like, yeah, like a fragment of a sword. Uh, the, yes, the fragment, right, that they found in the previous issue. Yeah. Um, uh, like, I got the the sense that she saw the samurai too, but she thought that she was hallucinating yeah, because yeah, she was she on ecstasy. <laughs> or, like, which, I don't think that's how ecstasy works, but... That is... Uh, I mean, I wouldn't know. I've never even no, heard this I'm word not saying, ecstasy. I'm not suggesting that you would know, but that's not <laughs> my understanding of what, what the experience is. Uh, so I, like, that to me suggests that she saw it, you, you know, and, you know... They wouldn't be the only people that have died from this samurai, right? You know, like sure. I feel like we saw decapitated people at the beginning of the first issue. Yes, it was completely separate from this whole kind of narrative. You know, yep. it was just like an intro. So I take it on face value that they they are there and there is some kind of physical presence, but you know, like obviously they also are a metaphor. But I think they they exist in a narrative sense beyond just being like I don't know protecting the area or what like being a metaphor for radioactive fallout or whatever. Right. Yes. Um. Yeah. There's there's more crazy stuff happening though, right? Like the the next thing after that is the stuff with the lightning. Oh yeah. And it seems like maybe Abby stopped it. Huh. I mean, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to tell from there, right? But, like, there's there's also another layer to Abby that we're not aware of. Um, I think that's kind of pretty clear. And, and like, she's standing in this hallway, and the lightning's just, like, shooting down the, down the wall through the lights. And then it just stops, like, right before her. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I don't, you know... That is interesting. It hadn't occurred to me. But what I will say is that a couple pages later, her eyes are glowing green and she's talking about seeing stuff all around her. What, bro, that's the ecstasy. <laughs> she's not on ecstasy, though. 
They're all in ecstasy. Are they? Even the even the like employees? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they're all high. Um but that seems but, like a terrible idea. But I, but I think Abby would know that ecstasy wouldn't make her hallucinate, right? Like Melody wouldn't know cuz I mean, she works for Interpol, right? So you assume she's got like a squeaky clean record and she's like by the book, so she wouldn't break their law to do ecstasy, right? So she's got no idea. But I'm pretty sure Abby has done ecstasy before and maybe other things. <laughs> you're projecting, Martin. Settle down. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I've never heard of any of these substances. Look, Abby's no angel, okay? <laughs> oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, but but she sees things, right? Because, like, her eyes go white, and she talks about, like, it's all around us. And, like, you assume that she's talking about the radiation because they have the the little machine, right, that's detecting the, the radiation level spiking. Um, but that's not it at all, right? Like, it's the butter. She sees the butterflies. Mm-hmm. So we're back to the point of, like, why the butterflies? Yeah. No, I mean... I I couldn't tell you, man. Um, like something is going on, and I think there's another character, uh, like the other lady who was alive uh, at the end, also says it's all around us when she's like crushed by a boulder or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So they're seeing something. Paulo's not seeing it, um, but there's something there. Yeah, he, he just dipped out. Okay, can I? Can I bring it up? Because that feels like a, an opportune segue to just point out. In this issue, they kind of talk about like their quote unquote protocol for when, you know, these things go south, you know, <laughs> yes. is just to walk away. Yes, right. The, the protocol is to pretend like they were never there. Yeah. Uh, a great plan, bro. Like, <laughs> uh, I mean. It begs a question to me, have they had outings that went south before? And no doubt. Yeah. So how do they keep getting business? Like, I guess there's no trip advisor for this illegal, like, disaster tourism business. Well, but... I mean, like, if you die in one of these trips and the guide walks away, like, who's going to give you a bad review? True, I guess, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like, it's like no one has survived to complain. <laughs> so like you you only get good reviews because the people that survive had a good time. <laughs> yeah, and if you had a bad time, maybe like we just kill you anyway at the end. Yeah, there you, you know? go. You, you lean really hard and like, look, we appreciate five-star reviews, okay? <laughs> Can we count on you for a five-star review? No, you're dead. You're dead. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like, and I was struck, I must say, by even Abby, who doesn't seem to be the biggest dirtbag in the comic, <laughs> kind of was basically being like, yeah, well, whatever. It's it's your fault. It's yeah. their fault. <laughs> like, they knew the risks. And it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, like, that completely absolves you from all liability of bringing people into a horribly dangerous situation. And it's like, oh yeah, but it's okay because we made them sign a waiver that said we are not responsible. So like uh-huh. really the, who's the dumb ones here? 
And it's just like trying to deal with like how insanely irresponsible that like position is. Yep. Like, look, you know, the risks, you know, like what I'm not going to take your thousands of dollars to basically like bring you into a deadly situation and, you know, like walk away when, (laughs) whenever like things are going bad. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know what to make of Abby, I guess. Like she definitely seems to be pretty like morally dubious I'm pretty sure they're all very morally dubious. But I think she knows better, you know? Like, she, I think, is also kind of being like, well, I'm not responsible. I'm just an employee, Mm. you know? I'm just doing all the work. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's okay, because I have debts. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm fine with with leading other people their debts, as long as I can be debt-free. Yep. Oh, man. All right. You got anything else on this one? Uh, I feel good. I think we did a good job. I'm proud of you. Pat, I'm going to pat you on the back, Travis. Oh, no, no. I, I, let's let's pat each other on the back. <laughs> uh, all right. Ratings, ratings. I'm going to rate this. Uh, mm, mm, I'm going to give it a 4.25 out of 5. All right. I will go 4 out of 5. Very good. Solid score. Uh, all right. That's uh, that's it for our discussion this week. Next week, we have one book coming out. Uh, actually, I think there's one book every day for the rest of the month, if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we have next week, it's going to be uh, Join the Future number five. Then the week after, we have Dead Day number three. Um, oh, God. The, the new book is the one after that. What's the name of it? With the one they previewed? Yes. <laughs> Got it. Uh, Miles to Go is on the 23rd. Uh, that's a brand new book. And then on the 30th, we have Artemis in the Assassin number five. That's what I show on the schedule. Yeah, sounds good. All right. So that's going to be it for us this week. Uh, Monday is a holiday in the U.S., so I hope you all have a wonderful long weekend. I hope uh, no more tragedies befall us on this year, 2020. And uh, that's going to be it for us. We'll, uh, we'll probably take next week off, Travis, as we only have one book. We'll probably be back in, uh, in a couple weeks to talk about more Aftershock book. Thank you for listening. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter, at TheGreatMagnet, at GeekVine, at AftershockPod. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time.